Hey guys, you're listening to Soul Food. My name is Daniel and I am the pastor of a church called Soul here at Alostar in Malaysia. In this podcast, we will dive into conversations that will help us with our views of certain habits and behaviors that take place in our culture. As you're listening, I'm sure you'll learn a thing or two, but I believe this podcast will help you to expand your perspective. This is Soul Food. Let's dive right in. It is such an honor to have this guy. He is a filmmaker, educator, all-time real lover. I could say that, I guess. And he is a great friend. Uh, Gary, how are you, man? What's up, DK? Much love from Subang Jaya. I miss our Thailok Min hangouts with chicken wings. (laughs) Uh, Anytime, man. Just waiting for you to, you know, head on back and you can... Eat double portions. Yeah, looking forward to hang out again. Uh, I'm just excited to have you uh, on this podcast. And I, I've heard your story before. And I think there are a lot of people out there, you know, I believe, especially the listeners on Soul Food, when they hear your story, it's really going to impact them and it's really going to encourage them to think about their life. Uh, there's this running theme that is happening right now on Soul Food where when I ask my friends, you know, especially like uh, you, you know, who have gone the distance, you know, who have really plowed through, you know, you followed your dreams, but hey, to follow your dreams, there's a price to pay, there's a cost, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I would really love to know more about your story tonight, you know. So we can start with young Gary Chong from all the way ghetto, ghetto Ipo, man. Oh. Of all places, Ipo, bro. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, use Tau Hufa and like soybean, <laughs> chicken rice as weapons, bro. Come on. <laughs> when I was seven years old, I, I still remember so distinctly that this is what happened. I actually, my dad used to bring me to the cinema in Ipo. It's called Lido Cinema. Wow. Um, every Tuesday and every, yeah, every Tuesday, there was a new film which came out at 3 p.m every Tuesday and you know because it was Ipo right apparently ghetto town right DK um, there was we didn't care whether it was 18SG 18SX 18PL you know my dad was like hey after school I'm gonna pick you up we're gonna watch a movie so I remember distinctly from the ages of 7 until I think about 15 or 16 years old every single week without fail he'll bring me to watch a movie mm-hmm. and every time I watch a movie right I'll actually react when I watch a horror movie, and I, I think for the listeners out here, this is what you usually do, right? You like to cover your eyes. Even though you're the most macho man in the universe, Come on, you man. still like have the half covering of eyes waiting for the jump scare. And when you watch a sappy romance film, you can't help but, you know, when the characters cry, you kind of sniff in a tear too, you know. Um, and when it's a science fiction film, you just go like, wow, the world that they're in. Wow, so it's so nice if one day you can wake up in you know in that universe and my dad actually asked me this question i can remember the conversation like it was yesterday he said hey gary why why are you afraid why do you laugh are you excited when you watch these things on this little screen and when i said little screen i was like that's not little it's a huge screen being being a cinema right and he walked me to the front of the the cinema and he showed me that it's actually just a projection screen it's a it's a very thin sheet of of screen and he asked me, so why are you afraid? It's just a scream. It's just make-believe. And that was when, actually, as a little boy, I realized that, wow, I think film has the potential not just to influence us, but to 
make us feel things. It could, it could even have the, the, the whole notion of defining our reality. And I believe that when you use the medium of film, it has changed our world for better or for worse um, in different ways, you know, from the way that we dress to the way that we speak to the way that we learn what is dating, what is love, the way we raise our children. You know, I really believe that film is a powerful medium. And because of that, I decided, you know, I don't want to just be a, a film consumer. I want to be a filmmaker. Um, so I grew up from that, having this uh, grandeur dream of becoming a Hollywood filmmaker. Yeah. Studied and everything. I, I didn't do too bad, too, too, too uh, bad in school, actually. And so, like, I was actually offered to do law. But I told my parents that, no, I want to actually do film. And not just my parents, but my teachers were like, are you insane, man? <laughs> um, and, and, and I was, no, 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 I, I really would love to do film. Uh, then they were like, hey, there's no real film school, perhaps do mass comp. Do you remember that stigma when, when people said, oh, mass comp is only if you can't study. Then Tell me about it, comp. man. Yeah, that stigma is crazy. And so you did MassCom and then what happened? Yeah, so I did MassCom in a local university. Um, then decided, you know, right after that, I, it, to me, it clicked. Every theory, every point of discussion, everything in my university studies just clicked. It clicked like something which never clicked before. It was, there are only two things in my entire life which which actually clicked. the The faith I have in God and the pursuit of that faith or my christian faith and also the clicking of my understanding of the world of film and so i took my masters uh did my masters went to the states for a bit uh finished it up there and decided hey you know what i'm gonna try to come back and try to become a filmmaker but lo and behold i realized that hey if you are gonna be a true blue filmmaker in malaysia uh then get ready for a life of struggle now it does everybody struggle and does everybody, you know, like our poor struggling artists? The answer is definitely not. But there are whole industries within the filmmaking sector, commercials, TVCs, corporate films, you know, which really bring in the bucks. And until today, because I'm not just a filmmaker with my production house, but I'm also an educator and academic in a, few, a university, an industry advisor, also to a couple of universities. I will tell every student or every parent that I see that, that this industry is not a struggling artist kind of industry. It really can bring you to great places. And living that dream, I wouldn't dare say that I'm living that, living that dream yet because um, I still haven't shot my future film. Yeah. All right. But yeah, but the fact is that I have the liberty to write, to create, to, to befriend people of the industry, to have conversations. And, you know, that in itself is such a blessing. And, you know, I'm, I'm still a young guy, uh, 33 years of age. So, Hey, who knows, man, next 10 years, what it might hold. A few things I caught when you said about how you grow up, you know, from Ipoh. I, I really love the part when you actually went to the film, uh, watch a film with your dad. Such a significant story and it left you a mark. You know, more than just a film consumer, you want to be a filmmaker. You know, you yep. want to make people to feel things and really the click that you had again back to your faith and also for film you know thanks for sharing that i think a lot of people go through that in their life they, those click moments the kind of thing but yep. it takes a lot to get there 
you know, I can click mm-hmm. today to be a musician, but if I don't practice, like, what's the point? You know, I can click today right. to be an actor and actress, but if I don't, you know, do the work, do my part, you know, um, where am I going to go to? Can you just walk us through some of the struggles? You know, I've seen you work before, Gary. You are like one of the hardest working person I know. Until today, you know, even we're having this conversation, I know right after this, you're going back to edit <laughs> videos, to check on stuff. Um, so yeah, maybe if you could just share with us some of the struggles you you go through and how do you overcome them? Like what are the things that keep you going? I think the main struggle is basically people telling you and defining what reality should be for you. You know, I get, let me give you an example. When you have... Adults, parents, good-natured uncles and aunties telling you that, you know what, this isn't going to put a roof over your head. This isn't going to feed your family. What are you doing? You know, to be honest, our intentions are paved well. But these are thoughts and these are sentences and words which, once it's out in open, it can really hit you and force you to be part of the status quo. And I feel like to many of the audiences or listeners out here, I mean, especially if you're Asians, how many of you, you know, you had a dream, but you ended up pursuing engineering or accounting or uh, maybe for those of you who are a bit more academic inclined, perhaps law or medicine because your parents wanted you to do it because they said things again and again. And you know what? Even if you were to, to barrage through and you join an industry of a passion which you love, which I, I love filmmaking, right? And I remember when I was younger, um, I think this was in my early 20s, I had so many, uh, I quote unquote, mentors. I, I still respect them. They're legends in this industry. But they like to tell me things like, hey, Gary, this is how the things, this is how the way things work. This is what the market price should be like. This is what, and you know, it never made sense to me because for me, it's very simple. If right now you're the higher Quentin Tarantino to direct your commercial, he's going to charge you 20 million US dollars. So what market price are we talking about? Is it just because he's a white guy? <laughs> that doesn't make sense, does it? All right. Um, so what really is the definition of industry? I feel, you know, how do you barrage it through is by asking yourself this very simple question. What makes sense to you? Remember, you know, Adiki, it was interesting. We, we brought up the click. Not everything clicks for everybody the same way. But the first platform that you can think about, if it clicks for you, something is connecting, explore mm. the connection. And when you explore that connection, you will find that perhaps inbuilt within your wiring, and I might even dare say perhaps it's even how God made you, is something special. People are always finding for that special X factor inside of them. Perhaps, right, it's not about you finding it, it's about exploring it because it's already there and articulating it in a way which would sync with how your industry or your world is actually uh, built upon. I, I had this thought process about eight to nine years ago, and currently I'm doing so many different things in my industry. But nine years has passed. The last audit I had, we had about 700 videos, 153 brands and clients under our belt. I mean, in terms of figures, we are near eight figures in terms of of uh, revenue. Wow. So what I'm trying to get at is that, and, and when I when I talk to my peers in the industry, they don't do the same things that I do because they say that, oh, it's tougher. Oh, but that's not the way that you should actually, you don't give the client too much. But once again, um, it clicks for me. 
it clicks for the clients. It clicks for the fruits of it is, or, or the, the end result, as you can see, um, success in terms of the numbers that you take back. So it suddenly clicks. You know, I mean, I can flesh this out into like a, into a whole book, to be honest, but let's go back to the fundamentals. Explore what clicks for you, connect those dots, and you'll realize, right, that you have something to bring to the table. It is not just about what the people who have gone before you, what they have said, what they have done, you know. And it, to be honest, if, even if you're not a filmmaker or, you, you know, don't talk about work, think about it. If Grab actually said, hey, no, that's how taxis, uh, you know, that's how taxis work. You can't actually change that. Right. Grab wouldn't be Grab. If the the makers of the first computers, I mean, you put not just Steve Jobs, but Bill Gates, if they say, wait, typewriters are typewriters, we can't create keyboards and key them into, into these <laughs> ones and zeros. We would not be having the conversation we're having today, DK. Yeah, man. Yeah. So every single person, you know, listening to this, you have something inside of you. It might be deep. It might be buried. And I've been so blessed maybe to have a, a late father who asked a question which ignited my exploration of that X factor, the exploration of what is my wiring so find your wiring, man, and you never know what it might bring you to. Yeah, thank thank you for sharing something that is <laughs> something that all Asian kids are experiencing, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I think at the core of it, you know, parents want the best for their children. They want their kids to succeed. You know, they want their kids to be at the best of their game. And again, you know, when parents have their conversations with their friends and like, oh, um, my son a doctor, uh, my son lawyer, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And it creates a pressure kind of thing. But uh, I like what you say. Something I learned from you tonight, you know, as you're sharing one of the real struggles you face in your life, we really have to make sense of what what that thing matters to us, you know, what we are going through. We have to find the thing that clicks to us. But more than that, you have to explore, explore yes. the connections. Like, I think a lot of people don't explore the connections. They just, this is my dream. I want to do this. And then they just jump right in and then they burn out. They wonder what's happening. I think they fail to just explore the connections. I think uh, yeah. when you explore the connections, you really begin to not just discover yourself, but discover there's so many things that you could do. And yep. in your progress, like as you were exploring, like what were some of the interesting things that you explored and discovered? When you talk about dreams, right, there is a very, very distinct differences when dreams are, are used as an escapism tool or it's used as fuel for yeah. you to move forward in life. And I think for a lot of us, right, because of the conditions which you are living in, a lot of dreams, a majority of dreams are merely just an escapism tool. Oh, what if one day I could tour around the world and be a rock star? Mm. Oh, what if one day I could be this, one day I could be that? Wouldn't that be nice? But we fail to ask the second question pursuant to that. What if you achieve your dreams and then what? Mm. Okay, great. You'd be a rock star and you tour, you, you tour the world. What then? And, and so, right, if we don't actually have that deep thought process or have a conversation with a loved one uh, to, to just bounce off, to mirror that conversation, then to be honest, right, we are setting up ourselves for failure because 
you know, we are, we are, we are psychoing ourselves or, you know, you know, it's going to a sort of psychosis to tell ourselves that, hey, you know what, this is the fuel that should push me forward. And when you start burning out, you realize that, hey, that dream wasn't really a goal, was it? That dream was merely just some excuse for you to jump into some made up reality so that you don't have to face whatever that you're living in. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that's to set <laughs> uh, an important context, I feel, when it comes to dreams first. And getting back to my journey, I, like I said, my dream was to be a feature filmmaker, to make movies that would impact. But when I really deconstructed deeper, so now, now this is the thing, can I make a feature film today? Yes, I can. Yep. I can make a feature film today. And to be honest, you know, I've, I've had many people come to me and say, Gary, here's money. You, you shoot, you produce, you direct. Okay. And yeah, that's good. But the problem is that when I tell them, hey, but if I'm going to do it, I need full creative control. I can't get you in as an executive producer who will tell me that, oh, but can we do a bit of product sponsorship or product advertisements here? Can we, you know, tweak the characters? To have this? No, I can't have that. I need creative control where the messaging, the branding, the, the, in, in French, there's this word called auteur, which means to be an author, a full controlling author on top of it. And so for me, that dream is if I have, you know, like 100 million ringgit to, to burn and I will just do it. I don't care how it, it, it sounds or looks in the box office. For me, that's the message. That's the core, you see. And, and so when I go deeper, I realize it's not about making the feature film, but it's about using film as a platform for the message, which I want to actually communicate across. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, I like how you set that context. Yeah, it's true. This is something that on, at Soul, we believe in this, you know. We don't want to use dreams as just an escaping tool, you know. We don't want to, to you put it so aptly, an escapism tool, but really to fuel your life. And thank you for just being so raw, man. Like, yeah. Hey, no you, worries, man. You could Hold just it. burn through and, you know, do whatever you want. But you deconstructed it to discover that, hey, you know what? I, I want to carry a story across. I want to carry something meaningful that would really leave something for the next generation, for instance, you know. And so, like... Yeah. In this journey as a filmmaker, now I'm sure you've got some like ups and downs. Have I mean, you heard? You've heard it. Like you know, wow, the the companies you've worked with, you know, and like the figures that are coming in. I mean, I'm just so so happy for you as a friend and to see how successful you are. Could you maybe tell us like some of the obstacles that you face like currently, and like how do you deal with them? Well, one of the obstacles I really face today is. Although my age is of 33 years old, I feel that year on year, I, there is a little bit of a disconnect with those who maybe are starting out in their early or mid-20s. So now, obviously, in every company, you'll have you know, uh, staff of different age groups. And so I realized that when I started out and when I hired staff, they were more of my peers. But as I grow older then I realized that there's a, a little bit of a disconnect. I mean, we can joke and everything, yes, but perspective-wise is a bit different. And, and I realized that the young people of today, now see, I'm not saying I'm an old man or whatever. <laughs> oops. <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, the, the struggle I have faced is that I am very comfortable speaking to maybe a mid-40 
to 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 an older gentleman mm-hmm. compared to uh, a young 20-year-old guy who will talk to me about sneakers you know and and nothing wrong with that talking about sneakers and etc it, it's just that the the struggle that i am facing is when you want to actually go to the second and third question and dig a little bit deeper i realize that you know what the younger generation and it's not of their fault i feel it's a, the system that we are in just can't articulate you know what is it they're really thinking you know it's is the same dk you were sharing with me earlier i mean this could be a separate separate thing but you were talking about a concept conversational currency to to somebody right uh, a young person and that person uh, looked at you and was like what what's this all about right and and so when when i'm trying to communicate i realize that the the challenge now is to not have a, a perspective of duality but instead right try to take an extra step to deconstruct what is their thought process and the a thought process which is influenced by how insta stories are hijacking our lives how tiktok has given us only a couple of seconds of attention you know uh as per compared to you know how we used to say or maybe even some might still say oh, old people like to go on and on and on <laughs> you know uh-huh. but but you know what happens when it's the other side of the coin when you go young people just have 6 seconds of attention and that's about it and and so the challenge is not just in terms of my staff or you know like the people around me or even some of my students in Taylor's Lake site but uh it would even be for audiences you know when clients are saying that you know what yeah i want you to do a 5 minute festive short film but at the same time i need a 6 second cut from it <laughs> <laughs> and that's true every yeah. brief right now has a 6 second cut to you know a 90 second video to whatever it is and and for me i i'm just a bit perplexed like what can you get from 6 seconds um yeah so perhaps we you know once again adaptation trying to understand i always feel the key is to try to deconstruct and reverse engineer the formula once you're able to crack the code on the formula you can be in any scenario any situation and it just becomes so transparent to see that it's not about merely oh uh, uh scenario a scenario b scenario c but it's like oh see i see okay so this is a pattern and dk once you see the pattern then you're good to go then you can move on to the next thing yeah so what you're trying to say is that if i deconstruct and i crack the code i am actually perpetually relevant to everyone yes. then exactly exactly wow. because then you realize it's not about sneakers it's not about an insta story it's not about you know this or that it's about i see your thought process it moves like this yeah. and it's it's quite universal yeah yeah i'm i'm learning something from you uh i i don't really see it that way and so it's definitely refreshing to just see it from the perspective because sometimes I would just dive right into a conversation and you know if I meet a young person or some of my peer you know they would talk about sneakers or cars for the matter and I would always wonder like oh man it feels so 
it feels like a surface kind of conversation, you know? We're just touching yeah. the surface, you know? And I always think beyond, but I, I didn't articulate it in that way. So thank you tonight. That really helped shape this thought, you know? Uh, I think, yeah, definitely to all the listeners out there, uh, we've got to really learn how to deconstruct and to understand what people are trying to say. Um, well, there, it is, there we have the filmmaker himself, Gary Chong. <laughs> Thank you so much, bro, for your time. I, I really appreciate your thoughts, you know, the values you carry in your life. Uh, but before we end this podcast, I've got something interesting to ask you. Sure, you know, Today in your life and all the things that you have achieved and all the things that you have acquired, what was one painful lesson, like very painful lesson that has made you Gary Chong? To always remain humble, man. I remember when I was, when I first came back to Malaysia and, you know, my first year, uh, okay, I just have to, you know, just kind of contextualize this also. I came from a very humble background. How humble was it? Um, I only ate McDonald's once a year during my birthday. I thought it was normal until I went to university because that was really what my parents could spread out. And I was a happy child, but I never knew that. <laughs> that I was in poverty in that sense. So I came from very humble backgrounds. I mean, once a year, Pizza Hut, or once a year, McDonald's. Um, and when I came, uh, when I started, uh, you know, my business, and all of a sudden, right, my first project was six figures. All of a sudden, the take home I had was 75,000 ringgit in my pocket. And oh, I, I just went insane. I, I I thought I could conquer the world. I I had this this burn fire and so I'm just like, yes, I can do anything. But the problem is that I did not pursue a mentor. I did not pursue, you know, wise counsel. And, you know, in, in church, when you go to church, you know, and um, in Christianity, you know, we are thought to actually always seek out wise counsel. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know what? Nah, I'm, I'm on the top of the world. And interesting story, uh, my now wife, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, who I have known since we were children, actually met up with me. And after one meal, she actually wrote me this long Facebook message saying that, Gary, uh, I, I need to tell you that I think you're very arrogant and oh. you're full of pride. You're proud, man. Oh, and I was so angry. I was so angry. And when I was so angry, right, I, I, I didn't speak to her for a year. We weren't even friends, man. We were like, just like she was catching up. Yeah, she was in Singapore. Just uh -huh. yeah. But now she's my wife. So, love you, dear. <laughs> right. But then, but, yeah. But, yeah. But what, what really taught me about that was, I started to see, when we look at certain seniors, not just in my industry, in any business industry, do you realize the uncles and aunties who always talk about their past? You know, when I was younger, I used to earn this, this, mm -hmm. this. I used to buy this, this, this. You know, my house is this, this, this. And you realize, but why are you talking about the past? What about your present? So if I would, I learned that if I were to just choose to live in that bubble of a dream that, hey, you know what? I've made it. There's nothing that can stand in my, the way of my life. And what happens if, it falls. Hmm. Would I still be rotating back to that period of my life? And so one of the, the principles and values which I practice today is to always cross-check myself, to hmm. stay humble, to, to not, not live a lifestyle which is, you know, over the top or what you would say, you know, a 
like what I can afford, but really just keep myself in check and go like, hey, money's just money, man. But what legacy, what impact are you leaving to the people around you? Mm. I rather have a Tailok mean with you, buddy, rather than have false pretenses that, hey, you know what? We should only be eating at Darren Shin. Like, wow. oh, yes, nine course <laughs> dinners, three and a half hours later with caviar and whatnot. So to be honest, right, that's, that's a value which I've learned. And mm-hmm. 10 years later, I have no jealousy to any of my peers. I wish them the best. Some might be richer, some might not have done. You know what? It doesn't matter because that's not my gauge of, of or measure of success anymore compared to when I was a, a young kid who had that 75,000 first ever project, took that home and said, wow, I, how many McDonald's could I buy, man, with this? Wow. <laughs> that is something significant. I think humility just kept Gary Chong in his lane and you are happier. You are yeah, doing man. good. Yeah you know, you don't compare yourself to others. And you know what? You are thriving well. Um, thanks again, Gary, for your time and the words of wisdom from your stories. I'm sure the listeners uh, on this podcast will be greatly blessed. Thanks again, Gary, for your time. Love you, man. Don't right, buddy. Love you too, DK. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Do share it with your friends. Now, if you have any questions, you can DM us on our Instagram at Soul Malaysia.